Well, good morning. It's good to be here with you today, and I'm glad that you are here as well. We are learning together what it looks like to follow Jesus. And one way that we follow Jesus is by practicing the very habits that he had that are helpful in our faith and our life. Now, when I use the word practice, perhaps what comes to mind is the work and the exhaustion that comes. Like if you're running cross country or playing football and you have to go to practice and you know you might get pushed to the point of breaking and it will hurt and you might not feel good afterwards. The type of practice we're describing is not that. Yes, I have to be honest, it may be difficult and hurt. Hopefully not physically, but emotionally as you begin to peel away the things that you've built up around your life that keep you from God, as you begin to examine the places of your heart that you've tried to avoid for a while, as you begin to experience God's goodness in the midst of your grief, there may be hurt. But the kind of practice we're talking about could really be summarized differently in the word habit. How many of you have habits that you do all the time? Only some of you. Wow. A habit is simply something we do repetitively, and sometimes we do it on purpose, and sometimes not so much. Like how many of you in the fall have a habit of spending at least three and a half to four hours watching a football game for the team of your choice most weekends? That's a habit. A rhythm, something you do, and often habits that are purposeful are ones that we look forward to. They fill us with anticipation and joy of the things to come. Now, how many of you have habits that you don't think about? You just kind of do. Anybody in here brush your teeth? And you don't necessarily wake up and go, am I going to brush my teeth today or not? You just get up and you do it. It's just habit. The goal of practicing the way of Jesus as we describe it is learning intentional habits that we do on purpose, things that we do that can fill us with a sense of anticipation and joy and rest, even a sense of peace that we may not have had previously. This practice we're talking about right now, this habit we're seeking to form, is perhaps the hardest one for most of us to form. Because it is completely the most countercultural. Our culture measures success by the amount in which you work. How often have you heard somebody ask the question, How are you doing? And the response is, Oh, I'm really busy. And then the response is, Oh, that's good to hear. Have a great day. Have you ever heard a conversation similar to that? In our culture, we treat busyness as an opportunity to show off how productive and positive and healthy we are. And I believe it's actually the worst sign of how healthy you are. I believe that busyness is contrary to the plan that God has for your life. That hurry and the need to rush from one place to the next a little faster, from one activity to the next a little quicker to do more actually makes everything you do less. And so as we talk about learning to practice the Sabbath, here's what I want to encourage you with to begin. I don't want you to add another thing to your schedule so that you can Sabbath. I want you to learn to subtract things from your schedule. 
to repurpose things that you already do, that the thing you already do can be something that focuses you on an awareness of God's presence and his plan. So maybe when you're brushing your teeth, you're not just standing there idly, brushing your teeth thoughtlessly, but it's a moment to pause and to thank God that he's given you teeth to brush because not everybody around here has them. Maybe it's an opportunity to thank God that he's given you that time to pause and to be present, that morning to breathe and exist and live. Maybe it's an opportunity simply as you brush your teeth to say, God, what do you have in store today? Give me an awareness of your presence in all that I say and all that I do. May I look to you as the source of all life. See, that's something you already do and we're just doing it differently. And for many of us, we already want to Sabbath. We would love to have a day of rest, but we're too busy for it. Has anyone ever heard somebody say something like, I'm too busy to die? Do you hear the irony in that? The problem is when you live that sort of life, you will die eventually probably without having lived the life you had hoped to live along the way. So this practice of Sabbath is an invitation for you and me. What would it look like to reorient our life, to slow down and do less so that everything we do becomes more? This comes from the Old Testament, a commandment that I shared with you last week in Deuteronomy chapter 5. God gives a whole list of commandments. We know them as the Ten Commandments. And one of these commandments is this, beginning in verse 12. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey, or any of your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. See, this commandment to practice a habit of Sabbath is an invitation for you and me. Last week I shared that it is an invitation to simply stop for a little bit of time and just be present. But the problem is, if you're anything like me, if you finally slow down long enough to stop, what happens to your body? You fall asleep really quickly. Have you been there? You want to just stop and rest, but instead all that happens is you're like, here I am. And you sink into the couch and hours later, you're like, oh no, I wasted the whole day. See, we are so busy all the time that our physical wellness suffers. We don't even know how to actually rest and get good sleep. So to stop, last week I gave you the encouragement to do two things. One was to pick a time this week to begin to practice Sabbath, to set a start time and an end time and say, for this duration of time, I'm going to try to stop all the work that I do. And if you were here last week, you heard me share that in the Jewish culture, anything that was work was too much. 
So to turn on a light switch and have the work of electricity flowing through the wires, that was too much. Or to sit in a car that is moving would be too much because you're causing the work or the car to work extra hard. And so in really strict Jewish custom, Sabbath pretty much means you do nothing at all. And oftentimes people hear that and think, that sounds miserable, almost like hell. I mean, let's be honest. Have you ever tried to just like sit and not think? What happens to your mind in those times? Often, we get filled with all kinds of anxiety or stress about all the things we need to do. We try to turn our mind off, but instead what happens is all the panic and the worry about the what-ifs and the this, that, and all these things that we don't have control over. Sabbath is more than stopping. It's learning to rest. It's learning to shut everything down that we can be refreshed. This week I heard a really profound thing I'm going to share with you. So this is not for me because profound things come from other people, okay? The idle mind is naturally bent. The true north, the compass of the idle mind is on negativity. Maybe you felt that. You stop to rest and all you think about is negative. And you go, what now? It's better to stay busy so I don't have to think about that. But there's a second half of that truth. If the true north of the idle mind is negativity, the true north of one who's rested with Christ is peace. See, as we practice Sabbath, we begin to discover something new. It won't happen overnight. It takes an ongoing habit. Just as one time of brushing your teeth will not make them magically white, but a continual practice of that might help them be whiter than if you never do it at all. When we practice a rhythm of stopping and resting, we learn to let go of those negative things and to just be content. Imagine this. Next time you walk into a coffee shop and you plan to get a coffee to go, keep your phone in the car and pay attention to how many people standing in line are on their phone. See, we have a culture that is so busy all the time that the idea of a moment of silence and rest is terrifying. But if we begin to make this habitual, God has promised that this day will bring us rest. And it's not just for you and for me. You see, he tells in this command that all of us are to have our servants, which I don't have, but, you know, maybe you do. All of our, our servants and those who work for us and our oxes and our animals, everything we have, even the foreigner, the one who's traveling in our midst, should learn to stop and rest. Part of this command in Deuteronomy was actually an act of justice for those around you. See, it's a luxury of those who are wealthy to stop and rest. How many of you can get up in the morning and turn on the sink and clean drinkable water comes out? Not everyone in our country can do just that. Around the world, many people have to walk several miles a day just for clean water that they can drink and consume. They don't have the luxury of resting just the same. So the practice of Sabbath for you and me is actually inviting other people to experience the same thing we experience. 
to come and rest and be a part of God's faithful provision in all things. Now we're going to jump ahead to another verse, a verse in Matthew. You've heard this before, but I think it's worth sharing a hundred times. Matthew chapter 11, if you want to use the blue Bibles, it's on page 1018. Jesus is speaking to the people of Israel and to his disciples. To the people of Israel, he actually weeps and he says, woe to you unrepentant cities. Like, don't you see what's right in front of you? The one who was promised to heal everything is right in front of you and you're missing it. And he actually weeps over the state of just how far gone they are, that they don't see him right before them. And then after this, beginning in verse 28, he gives this invitation to his disciples. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Jesus gives this invitation, come to me all who labor, all who are weary, all who are tired, all who are busy and exhausted and don't see an end in sight. Come and he will give rest. Rest not just for our bodies, but for our very souls. You see, when we practice the Sabbath, at first, several of your Sabbaths may require you to take lots of naps. That's okay. If you are in the rhythm of life currently, where you're really busy, go, 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 all the time, and you get to a day of rest and you're physically exhausted, rest. Because our bodies need to be recharged. But as we make this a habit, we are invited from Jesus to move beyond just needing sleep to a different kind of rest. How many of you throughout the week are emotionally exhausted? The highs and the lows, the ups and the downs, all the good and the bad, all the burdens of others you're caring for and all your own burdens as well. In practicing Sabbath, we're given one day a week to surrender all of that before God and say, God... I can't carry these burdens. Give me rest for my weary soul. And one of the ways that we experience that emotional rest is by doing things that actually fill us with joy. Next week, we're going to talk in depth about delight and what that could look like. But just a little brief summary. Imagine if rest is not just sitting on your couch doing nothing. But maybe it's something that truly is rewarding, like playing a game with your kids because it brings a smile to their face, or going for a walk in the neighborhood because you haven't had time to just walk at a leisurely pace. Imagine creating a rhythm of life where you and your spouse looked forward to activities together that brought you joy and peace and love and fulfillment. Rest is not just about our bodies, but about our emotional state as well. Set aside those cares. I promise you they will be there tomorrow. So what happens in our Sabbath? We stop and we say, God, I'm I'm bringing to you all of these emotions. 
I'm setting them aside and I ask that today you fill me with a different sort of thought, a different state of mind and emotional experience. To rest from our labors is not just physical or emotional. Do you know you sometimes need to spiritually rest as well? Imagine a season where you're praying fervently for someone or something day in and day out. You're weeping and praying, God, please heal this person who's sick. Bring me this thing that I desperately need. Help me to know where to go next. Fulfill the longing of my heart. This type of prayer is intercessory, praying on behalf of another. God, come and do what only you can do. Do you know that it can be exhausting to pray for others all the time? Part of the Sabbath includes giving your spirit a rest, which means giving your per- yourself permission on your day of Sabbath to not pray for other people. Did you know that that's not an ungodly thing? Like lay them before the Lord and say, God, today I'm setting aside all my cares for other people and I'm simply gonna thank you and practice praying gratitude and adoration. You're still connecting with God, but it gives your soul a rest from the things that have taken from you. See, if you want to love your neighbor well, here's the secret. You can only love your neighbor as well as you have been loved. You cannot give what you do not have. And so practicing Sabbath is an invitation to receive rest. Jesus, he uses this illustration of a yoke. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. He doesn't mean an egg yoke. He doesn't plan to put egg on your face, all right? Take my yoke upon you. A yoke was a tool used in farming. And what they would do is they would harness two ox together. One who was experienced and trained and well-equipped and aged, and one who was young and youthful and energetic. And the reason they would harness them together was so that the youthful, energetic, excited, not yet trained ox would actually be forced to slow down. And the one who was experienced and knew the rhythm of work could lead and guide the other in the process of the things they needed to do. See, it's natural in our excitement of the moment, in our youthful zeal, and our passion for Jesus to think we need to run full speed ahead all the time. But the truth is, full speed ahead will always burn you out. We actually need one who can lead us and guide us and teach us to slow down. So Jesus uses this imagery, my yoke is easy. It won't be burdensome, it won't be heavy, it won't be difficult. Now he doesn't say it's easy as in it won't ever hurt. Sometimes when he slows us down, it is challenging. And we want to go faster and we feel the sense of worthlessness. I'm not doing or producing or being enough. And there in that place we need Jesus to speak the truth. That our worth is not based on what we do. That our value is not based on how much we produce or how fast we go or how hard we get after it. It's simply on his goodness and what he has for us. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Sometimes we fear the idea of Sabbath or rest because we fear what will we discover when we allow our brain to think. It may be really ugly. You may stop and begin to reflect on your life and realize you are not where you want to be. Or maybe you realize that the things you're worried about and stressed about you really cannot control. And that hurts. When he says that he is lowly and gentle, it's like a doctor who comes to heal. Not seeking to cause harm, but instead, in the midst of your struggle, let me show you a better way still. A way of surrendering all that is too much for you to handle and trusting in him. There's a story in Mark chapter 6 where the disciples are sent out, and when they're sent out, they're told, go and do all these things that I've been doing. Imagine being with Jesus and having him say, go and cast out demons and heal the sick and preach the word, and you're like, what? And they go, and God shows up and is faithful. And they begin to heal the sick and do all these things, and they come back, and here's the story in chapter six. They come back to Jesus, He went away from there and came to his hometown and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And then he sends them out. And here's what happens in verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. Jesus invited those who were following him to get away from all the things they needed to do and to just rest. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. Maybe as a parent you've been there, you've gotten through the whole day and realized, I don't think I've stopped to eat today. Or at work you get so busy, like I'll just work through my lunch hour and I'll eat later and then later comes and you're so famished, you don't have time to wait to get home and to cook a nice delicious meal and you just get something in the drive through that leaves you hungry and feeling gross, but at least my belly is full. The disciples are in this place of not even having time to stop and eat and Jesus says, come and get away and rest. Part of following Jesus is learning that you cannot and should not be able to do everything all the time. So we practice a rhythm of rest that invites us to trust in his faithfulness. And the beautiful thing in the story is when they go to get away, the crowd see them and rush ahead and meet them there in the desolate place. And maybe you've been there in that season where every time you try to get away, there's one more thing that comes after you. And there in that moment, Jesus has compassion on the crowd, seeing that they too are lost without a shepherd. And he tells the disciples, hey, go and feed them. And they're just lost. Like, what? how are we to do that, Jesus? And all he does is he thanks God and then gives them a few loaves of bread and some fish, and they feed the masses. See, I believe this story was put there on purpose in this place of rest. You and I are able to do far more than we can ever imagine doing when we spend our time with Jesus and we get away to rest. And the things that should be rejuvenating for us, 
but are not. As we go and follow him, he invites us to experience his presence in all things. A couple weeks ago, somebody texted in a question and said, is it okay to volunteer on the Sabbath? And I said, sure, just find a different way to rest. These last couple weeks, as I've thought about that answer, I would actually challenge to say, no, it's not okay to volunteer on the Sabbath. If volunteering anywhere, be it in the church or someplace else, is a regular rhythm of your life, as I think it should be for every one of us, if serving others is a part of your week in and week out rhythm, you should take time to not serve others, to not be doing all the time. Which means, for those of you serving on Sunday mornings, you probably need to not be scheduled some Sunday mornings. And on the weeks you're serving, maybe you need a different day of Sabbath that week. A time to stop and physically and emotionally and spiritually rest. Those Sabbath guides that we have available back there or that are available online give you some tangible ways you can begin to practice rest this week. Last week, I encouraged you to pick a time to start and end your Sabbath. And then also, I encourage you to consider working extra hard to try to get at least eight hours of sleep every night this week. Did anybody remember that and try it at least one night? Did anybody want to try it and then Netflix came along and then life came along and then you're like, well, the best I can get is four, but that's better than three, so I'll call it good. Anyone have that happen? You know, for a week where I challenged everybody to get eight hours of sleep or try to, I had a schedule in my life that did not permit that. And a couple of nights I laid down to get eight hours of sleep and I did not get eight hours of sleep because I laid there with my mind racing. And one night I laid down where I knew I only had four hours to possibly sleep. And boy, let me tell you, it was a long and exhausting day the next day. But at least one day, maybe two this week, I laid down to get eight hours of sleep. And I probably got seven, which was progress. And as you and I commit to these things as habits, our body and our psyche begin to change to actually look forward to that sleep or that rest. Here's what I'm going to challenge you to do this week to learn to rest. Sometimes learning to rest requires a little bit of planning ahead. If, for example, you spend your week busy and working and making meals and doing all these things, to stop making a meal on your day of rest might actually leave you really hungry and not refreshed. So you may need to plan ahead and say, how can I meal plan for my Sabbath so that I don't have the work of cooking on the Sabbath? Now, for some of you, cooking is a great source of joy, and you're like, I can't wait to cook. It brings me all kinds of excitement. So feel free to do that on your Sabbath. But maybe to learn to rest and to plan ahead to rest, what you need to do this week is actually to set aside all of your books that are for work. In my line of work, there's a ton of books I never get through that are always on my, my shelf. I'm waiting to read, looking forward to getting to. And most of those books help me intellectually think more about the very things I'm trying to teach. Part of preparing to rest can include taking those books and putting them back on the shelf 
or neatly organizing my desk so that it's ready for Monday morning, or taking time in your week to say, what do I normally do on my day of rest? I don't think any of us find grocery shopping restful. What if you did that before the Sabbath so you don't need to on your Sabbath? Some of us enjoy mowing the lawn. For others, it's a great chore we just have to do. What if you did that before your Sabbath so that it's not lingering overhead the whole of your Sabbath? For those of you in school, what if you did your homework before your Sabbath and not Sunday night late in the evening when you're stressed because all weekend long it was kind of lingering, oh no, I know I have to do that thing still coming. Learning to rest might require you to prepare a little bit. And the beautiful paradox that God has is if we work in such a way throughout the week that we're able to rest on our Sabbath, the work throughout the week actually becomes easier and more fruitful and more focused. So my challenge for you this week is what work do you need to do in advance of your Sabbath that your Sabbath can be restful? What activities do you find restful? Maybe it's sitting and doing a puzzle. Do you own any? Go buy one. So that way on your Sabbath, you can do something restful for you. My second challenge for you this week, like the sleep, this one will probably be even harder and maybe will be that place of all the anxiety we're working to let go of. I want to challenge you as you seek to rest this week to rest from all things digital. Now here's the challenge, you see, we live in a culture that is so consumed with our phones and our tablets and our TVs and our radios, there's always something more to fill our space with. And usually, it's not restful. So what if on your Sabbath this week, leading up to the start of your Sabbath, you turned off all of your devices? and you put them in a drawer, and you close the drawer, I promise you they will still be there the day after your Sabbath. Did you know that? Okay, promise is a bold move. Maybe somebody breaks in and steals them. They'll most likely be there, right? And I can almost certainly promise that if you are not in the habit of turning off your phone, it will feel like cutting off your arm. But it will be worth it. See, we are so attached to our devices in this day and age that the idea of resting from them is fretful. What if the world ends and there's nobody there to call me because I can't answer the phone? If the world ends, nobody's calling you anyway, so don't worry about it, okay? What if there's an emergency? You probably cannot solve the emergency in the moment. They should be calling 911 and getting help. So what if this week in your Sabbath, you turned off your devices and you said for 24 hours or for four hours or for 12 hours, for however long you're devoting to this practice this week, I'm just gonna be present in the moment. At first, it's going to be hard. But when this becomes an ongoing rhythm, you'll actually start to look forward to not having your phone on you. The need to respond instantly to the messages will begin to slow down and you will find yourself standing in a coffee shop, not needing to look at your phone, content to just be with whomever else is there. Ultimately, all of why we learn to rest on the Sabbath is to recognize that we are not 
in control. That we are finite and desperately in need of an infinitely greater God. Of a God who's infinitely bigger and better and in control. And a God who has already conquered all of the things you're stressed about who's already promised healing for all of the sickness you're facing, who's already promised to care about you and your loved ones more than you could ever imagine caring. When we practice rest, we learn to trust and experience the freedom that comes from not needing to be the one in control. And we learn to see Jesus who has conquered the grave, fully faithful today and tomorrow and every day, that our true north can be aimed not in the negative self-talk and the negative worldview and the negative reality, but that our true north can be aimed at Christ, the source of all peace and all hope. Will you pray with me today? God, as we begin this time of prayer, We breathe in and we breathe out. We breathe in all of your goodness and your faithfulness, your promise of love and the promise that you have conquered even death. And Lord, we breathe out all of our stress and our anxiety and our fear. We breathe out all of our need for control. God, we ask that you would create in us a rhythm of rest. That for our weary souls, we would find peace in our bodies, in our minds, in our hearts. That in all things, we would find ourselves centered in you. God, today as we pray, we pray for those who are sick. Lord, we pray for Roger's friend, Mark, as cancer is quickly killing him. Give him your peace. Lord, we pray for Tanya and for Rachel and for Adam's dad. As they continue their battle with cancer, we ask that you would bring them healing, give them strength for each day. Lord, we pray for Michael, as cancer seems to be winning this battle. He's now on hospice. We ask for those who are caring for him in these final days that you would comfort them in their grief, that you would provide to Michael the peace that comes from, that surpasses all understanding, the peace that comes from knowing you. Lord, we thank you for the promise of the resurrection and our hope in life everlasting. Lord, we pray for Kelly and for Kylie that you'd bring them healing. For Cheyenne, we ask you'd cause her kidneys to function and work properly as she is carrying this second child. God, we give you thanks for the healing you have provided. Lord, we thank you for Brooke and the answers to prayers, the discovery of what was wrong and the medicine that's healing. God, we thank you for Corbin's mom. For Corby's mom, God, we thank you that she is in remission, that her cancer has disappeared. We ask you would continue to strengthen her body as she recovers from her treatment. 
And may they together as a family celebrate your faithfulness and your healing each and every day. Lord, we pray for Lincoln and for Lucas. God, you know the needs of their heart and their body as both are failing and we ask you'd restore them fully. God, would we be a people who seek you, who pray for those in need and who find our rest in you, who find our healing in your goodness and your love. Lord, now we pray as you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. For those of you who know Michael that you heard me pray for, the one who always sits right up here up front, he may be joining us on live stream this morning, and if so, we love you, Michael. Um, His cancer has taken a turn for the worse, and he is now on palliative care at home. Uh, So for those of you who know him, I had the chance to visit him yesterday, and it's probably, uh, the day of his death is probably near. Um, I would invite you to reach out to him. Uh, If you'd like to come visit, I'm sure he would love that. And uh, if you are like, I don't know Michael, then I invite you to be praying in the coming days as he prepares to meet Jesus, uh, that he would have peace in his body and in his mind and in his soul. Uh, I forgot to mention that Emily is not here today. Um, Her grandma is in her final days as well, and Emily has left to be with family and be with her grandma. So um, please pray for Emily this week and her family as they grieve as well. Now, with both of those things said, we in this place collect an offering every week. And the offering we collect is an opportunity to say, God, you are in control of my finances. Even when gas prices are high and grocery prices are high and things seem out of control, you will provide my daily bread. And so we offer back to God a portion of what he's first given us as a means of saying, whatever you give, let it be enough. And may I trust in you. So if you call this place your church home and you came prepared to give today, if you prefer to give with cash and check, you can do so by placing it in those little envelopes in front of you or upstairs, some of them along the walls. Uh, And you can place it in the black boxes as you exit along the wall. Uh, Also, if you filled out one of those physical uh, teal cards that say connect at the top, uh, you can fill that out with a way we can connect with you, with a thing we can be praying for you, and uh, you can place those in the black boxes as well. If you're somebody who prefers to do all things digital, then I encourage you to do the, fill out the Connect card or um, to make a gift online um, by, giving, by clicking the little teal button in the bottom corner. You can do both of those things um, with that button. However you give and whatever you give, know this. We in this place do not give to get God's love, but because we already have it. Thank you. Every week we invite your questions and I will do my best to respond. Uh, I don't know if this was also texted in, but one question that was asked directly of me earlier was, if we can't be at all four weeks of the Rediscover the Reformation or the Discover the Reformation class, can we come to some of them? And the answer is yes. Just let me know and I'll make sure that we have uh, enough things prepared for you, okay? If you're going to miss this first week, you're going to miss 1,500 years of history. So 
It's going to be awesome. We had a number of questions, comments, so I guess we'll dive right in, right? So the first one says, I love that you have started praying for our members and loved ones when we are together on Sundays. Thanks, me too. You're always welcome to share a prayer request. If you notice, I have that little tiny journal that I keep, and I just try to write them down so I don't forget, because if they're not written down, I'll forget um, both in person and later. But the beauty is you can be joining me in prayer. That's the hope, is that we all are praying all week long, except for perhaps on your Sabbath. Then just celebrate what God has done and give Him thanks, all right? Next is a question. It says, do you think people can be affected by actual demons, like if Satan is in them? Yes. Now, the, the dilemma there is there's only one singular Satan, so Satan's probably not in any one of you because uh, there's only one of him and a lot of us. There's a lot of demons. Now, possession's a whole other issue to discuss. I would say if you're afraid you're possessed, you're probably not, but um, we could certainly talk in great depth about the reality of spiritual warfare and how you and I engage with it and are guarded against it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a request about the flow of communion, a recommendation that I'll share with you, I guess, after service. So, Thanks. Um, this one says, worship today was fire. Thank you. Okay. All right, so here's my little spiel. I don't know if you guys noticed. Do you know Tyler plays guitar? Yeah. That's actually his main instrument. This is the first time in like four years he's been able to play guitar. Uh, so if you're a drummer and you're like, I don't feel really comfortable drumming in front of others. I don't know that I'm, I'm at that level yet. Let us be the judge of that. And Tyler and Fletcher would love to work with you and help you learn how you could drum on Sunday mornings so that Tyler could play guitar more often. So okay. I'm old, but fire is good, right? Like fire. That was fire. Yeah. Okay, cool. cool. Yeah. It's like think s'mores, right? Really enjoyable and delicious. That I understand. Okay. <laughs> Cool. Uh, I know you made an announcement. Someone may have missed it. It said, why is all the camera equipment inside the church? (laughs) You probably showed up late. (laughs) No shame. We're glad you're here. Uh, All of this equipment is because we have partnered with Appalachian Sessions Live. Um, They're a a TV show. They're producing a series of TV shows of live concerts uh, aimed at kids, encouraging them based on artists who are in the area who've made it um, really big, encouraging kids to pursue their dreams and and chase their passions. And so uh, for the next two weeks, they will be using this space during the week for these concerts and these uh, filming production things. And that's why it's kind of a mess and a little bit uh, cluttered in here. But uh, we're going to bear with it for two weeks and partner with them. And then it'll go back to normal at the end of October. One last thing, I intentionally saved it for last. You mentioned Michael McNeely, who we love dearly. These are all anonymous unless you put Michael at the bottom. Yeah. So, yeah. And when you uh, sign your name, we know. Right. So he said, I hope you are as blessed by our pastor and members of this church as I have been. I'll be waiting to meet you in heaven with my best pair of shoes. <laughs> and you're wearing some of his shoes this morning. So, yeah. Michael really hated our Simplicity series because he has a lot of shoes and loves them. And uh, now he's like, I'm not going to wear them for long. So what shoes do you want, Adam? And I was like, I've got plenty of shoes. He goes, here, you need some new tennis shoes. And I don't know if you saw the ones I had recently that had holes and all. They were pretty terrible. I walk a little lopsided, so they were worn out on one side. And so thank you, Michael, for the pair of shoes. I appreciate it. Those are all the questions and comments. Awesome. Well, as you go this week, receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Have a great week.
Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.